0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Lexus Enthusiast podcast. My name is Kevin Watts, and I'm the founder and editor of the Lexus Enthusiast website. And today we're joined by Brian Bolain, General Manager of Product and Consumer Marketing for Lexus USA. Thanks for making the time for this interview, Brian.
1: Hey, Kevin. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Um, just as a background, you know, let's start off with a description of your position at Lexus USA, if you could just kind of break it down for us.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it really uh, uh, encompasses a lot of uh, our marketing activities. So everything from the uh, kind of the strategy group and product marketing group that sort of helps us you know, from the beginning to set direction for how we're going to approach a product through to the uh, advertising creative group, the media buying group, uh, the social and digital groups, and then the engagement marketing team. So it's a little bit of everything.
0: I we've talked in the past, and I was really amazed to find out about your education, your background, and uh, before joining Toyota. Could you explain to listeners about uh, your previous profession?
1: I, I that could be misconstrued to say that you are surprised I have an education, but. <laughs> 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 but, uh, yeah, no, I, I totally get your point. The um, Yeah, my educational background is probably a little bit different than a lot of my colleagues, but I have an undergrad degree in aerospace engineering. And I think where that really came from is, is growing up as a kid, I always loved two things. One was airplanes and the other was cars. So uh, when I started out my education, uh, I thought, let me pursue that. And by the end of my engineering degree, and I did finish it, by the end of my engineering degree, I realized that as much as I enjoyed it, I wasn't as good at it as some other people. And so I kind of redirected myself and uh, went on to get an MBA with a focus in marketing.
0: Well, I guess it proves like once you're a rocket scientist, you can pretty much do anything else.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Except I can't really launch a rocket, but everything else, no problem.
0: Can you walk us through your career path since joining Toyota, like when you joined uh, and where you started off?
1: Oh, gosh, yes, I'm going to be giving away a lot of information about my age by saying this, but I started (laughs) at the end of 1986, and I started with uh, Toyota because, of course, back then that's all that existed was Toyota, Uh, and I started in the parts marketing group uh, working in pricing. And uh, quickly after that, as Lexus was, was becoming sort of a vision, I joined what would eventually become the Lexus Group, uh, and did uh, original pricing and sales planning for Lexus. Eventually moved back to uh, Toyota marketing, worked through a number of jobs there, and then uh, product planning, and uh, and then finally uh, on to um, a job that eventually turned into uh, Scion. I uh, actually helped write the business plan for Scion and planned the original product lineup. So the original XB, uh, if you love it, that was... Uh, I brought that to you. If you hated it, it's my <laughs> fault. Um, and then from uh, Cyan, after the, after Cyan was uh, active for a few years, I transitioned back to Lexus, and I've been uh, here ever since, working around uh, various jobs in marketing.
0: So you were there right when they um, started it up in the U.S.
1: I think I was number thirty in, in the employee count at Lexus.
0: Just getting into you know your job, how you uh, product marketing and everything like that. At what point does marketing become involved in a new vehicle? Uh, is marketing a proactive part of a new vehicle, or is it more of a reaction to the development?
1: So probably a little bit of both. We have, uh, fortunately, we have a really good working relationship with our product planning team here in the U.S., as well as with the, uh, the, the engineering team in uh, Japan and our colleagues in Japan as well. And so we have pretty good visibility to products Uh, at least a couple of years before they hit the market. And um, we here in the U.S., as well as our colleagues globally, will start giving thought to, you know, how we want to approach a particular product from a marketing perspective to try to generate some alignment around the globe. We'll start that, uh, you know, well in advance of the the product ever being shown publicly and, and, of course, even further in advance of the car going on
0: sale. So when you have to summarize Lexus, uh, what are the pillars, do you think, of Lexus, and particularly uh, in regards to marketing? I I mean, I think, you know, from
1: the very beginning, um, when Lexus was was created, you know, one one nice thing about the era in which Lexus was created, it was really created with a very specific buyer group in mind. And so it, it made it almost easy to... Uh, create a brand that had a very specific purpose for a very specific consumer so from the beginning I think we've been quite fortunate to have prioritized the customer experience customer service you know high levels of quality and uh, value all those very kind of practical minded things I think we've we really owned from the beginning and we continue to to, to make those a focal point I think what what you've seen us Add more recently as as we go you know talk publicly about wanting the brand to feel more emotional and you know now to to start thinking about the next generation of luxury buyers and so on um, you know you've seen us add a lot of of, of partnerships, a lot of um, pillars you know culinary and wine tasting and golf, and of course we've always done uh, driving events, not with the wine tasting <laughs> and um, and you know most recently now you're seeing us add things like motorsports and fashion, so you know convergent in terms of what they do for the brand, divergent in terms of you know, the approaches we need to take because you know, we always have to keep talking to a, a wider and wider audience because we've got to keep the top of the funnel filled. Uh, so the, the bottom of the funnel, we're still selling, uh, still selling product.
0: You mentioned about uh, the marketing becoming uh, more emotional, more passionate. And that was a real transition you know, with the introduction of the Spindle grill. Uh, really kind of set off this, this new direction. How do you reset consumer expectations about a brand? How do you make sure that you still manage to kind of encompass what the brand was before while adding this new sort of level?
1: It is such a good question because it's a really delicate balance. You know, we absolutely did not want to lose what Lexus was known for being, but we wanted to enhance it with more. We wanted to layer, you know, on top of it. I always like to talk about a brand. A brand can't be one-dimensional. The brand has to be multi-dimensional. I've got to be able to talk to an enthusiast audience, maybe like yourself, someone who thinks about cars more frequently, but then I've got to be able to talk to somebody else who really only thinks about cars when it comes time to buy another one. And so there's kind of, it has to be all these different layers, these different dimensions to uh, a brand's uh, character. So as we've layered on, on the new ones, we've, we've really been cautious to um, use very targeted approaches so that when we say something, maybe it's in a little different voice or in a little different way than what we used to talk or speak with Lexus, we're saying it very directly to a specific audience. Um, and I think that's one nice thing about, you know, marketing in the, in the 2000s, in the 2010s and, and beyond, is, you know, the targeting ability is so great that um, we, we really can ensure that, that people are hearing the voice from Lexus that, that we want them to hear.
0: I know at the time... You know, I'm thinking back to the IS launch video with the the, the black and white. It was, a, mm-hmm. I believe it was the Lady Gaga uh, director who did it. Director, yeah. yeah. And, you know, as it's progressed, how have you found people reacting to it?
1: So we, um, we monitor with a pretty high degree of frequency all of our metrics around uh, Lexus image values. And so we've been very happy to see that um, we haven't slipped not an iota uh, in terms of our kind of traditional values. So quality and dependability and value and luxury continue to be uh, you know, on par, in some cases leading um, some of our luxury competitors. So we haven't missed a beat on the traditional side. And then when I look at the metrics for, let's say, um, more emotional uh, awards like uh, even you know, sexy or fun to drive or um, you know, exciting, uh, we've seen those on a steady climb. Um, and we've seen ourselves move past, uh, some of our, our competitors now, uh, in some months, which is, is great to see. And we're seeing that just on a continuous climb for the past, uh, three and a half years, basically ever since the GS was, uh, introduced. So I think having the product line, uh, enable us to speak with, um, kind of real, uh, like validity, uh, with a different voice has really helped. And, uh, the other thing, I would say, if you, if you go back and if you kind of parse out the way we've done the advertising, the voice we're using, you will see a, quite a difference in the way we produce something for IS versus, let's say, ES. Right. right? So that person is still seeing a more traditional, a modernized, but, but slightly more traditional version of Lexus than the IS person or the RC person would get.
0: I think it's funny because I watch every commercial, so <laughs> I see all the different uh, all the different markets all at the same time, and sometimes it's it's almost difficult to to realize that this is that not everybody is going and watching every commercial. You talked about three years ago uh, when you, you started to to go in this direction, and, and that was also around the time of uh, Lexus International forming uh, the the group that uh, sort of oversees the brand on a global level. How do you balance the needs of the U.S. market with the rest of the world? How involved are you in that uh, setting that direction on an international level?
1: It's you know very very involved. So one nice thing about you know Lexus, uh, ever since it began, being a, a relatively smaller enterprise than our than our sister brand. It's it's a little easier to manage Lexus on a, a global level, and there's been some things put in place right from the from the beginning that have helped that. So, there's something called the Lexus Communication Council, uh, which is a group of global uh, it has a group a global membership, and uh, we get together a couple of times a year at a minimum to really talk about what what what's coming in the next year for Lexus. What is Lexus going to stand for? Beyond that, we have um, uh, another group that gets together more around specific product introductions. And uh, in those meetings, we really get down to, you know, product positioning, trying to agree on for for the globe, what is a product going to stand for? So, you know, in the case of the Rx, for example, it was uh, sharpened sophistication. That, That was where we were headed with Rx. So the ask then coming out of meetings like that is that every global market go and produce work that really speaks to that feeling but to do it in a way that resonates with the local markets, you know, customs or communications needs or, or whatever, um, and, and so we've been working on that. You know, really from the beginning, we've we've doubled our efforts in the last uh, three or four years on that, and, and we'll continue to work in that direction. Now, the U.S. you know is is roughly 52 to 53 percent of the uh, of the globe's. Uh, business. So for many of our, our segments, we uh, we do lead. So of course, we we like to have a, a hand in it, but it really has to be a very kind of a fair process with all voices heard from uh, because we do actually try to share a lot of creative work around the world. We're, we're sometimes we're sellers and sometimes we're buyers, uh, but it's nice to be able to kind of go to market and see what others have done and either be inspired by it or actually be able to use it.
0: You mentioned, you know, having um, a council that, that deals with product, you know, product marketing and how each product is placed in their respective markets. And I was curious about the ES and GS, you know, from an enthusiast perspective, there's a bit of a conflict with that, both of those models, you know, one both being uh, mid-sized sedans, but with completely different buyers. Mm-mm. Is that something you discuss internally? Uh, do you think that the ES hampers the success of the GS at all?
1: Well, it's, a, it's a great question. Uh, it is certainly uh, two vehicles that can be perceived as having the opportunity to fill a similar void. And yet, as you point out, the, the psychographic of those buyers and, and, frankly, the demographic of those buyers couldn't be more different. So I, I actually think it gives us a little bit of an advantage to have a couple of flavors available for people uh, instead of only one uh, in, a, in, in a kind of a price range or in a segment. Um, I, I don't think I would go so far as to say one hampers the sales of the of the other, uh, because I think they're so disparate in in uh, the approach that we take with them for the market and then the recipients' uh, response to those products.
0: The ES really stands out uh, in the U.S. market as being a vehicle with, without competition. I mean, there is you, a lot of it's debatable though, and it's mm-hmm. a, it's a very unique vehicle in terms of, of its position in the market and. It's obviously been a great success for you.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. If you look at cross-shopping, uh, if you look at what people have shopped before they purchase an ES, uh, you'll often see things like a Mercedes E-Class. Hmm. So it um, does acquit itself pretty well in terms of the consideration that goes on around it. I think it's important, you know, when you look at our products, there are there are certain products in our lineup that really serve a loyalty role. So obviously ES is one of those. There's other products in our lineup that have really excelled at uh, serving in the conquesting role, whether that's moving people over from another luxury brand or even maybe more importantly, moving people up for the first time from non-luxury. And that's where you'll see cars like uh, the IS, uh, CT, of course, uh, even GS to a degree, do particularly well.
0: Now, the current market, it's shifted. There's no you know you ended the year Lexus USA ended the year with a split between cars and SUVs I believe it was almost 50-50 I'm sure that car buyers care more about performance SUV buyers they they would favor utility is there any other differences how do you market those different uh, segments it's
1: it's so interesting to watch right now you know I I've, I've in the last year I've really observed a number of times that I think this is the first time in my almost 30 years in this industry where we've seen um, one segment, which is basically, you know, entry or, or near luxury SUV, one segment completely on fire globally. You know, it's it typically in the past, we would have thought of a segment being hot in Europe or that segment's hot in Asia or it's hot in the U.S. This one's just on fire everywhere. So it's a really interesting uh, almost transition to watch as more and more people seem to be moving from car to SUV. And, of course, What we really don't know, and I think our our CEO, Jim Lentz was just noted saying something like this, that we don't really know if this is a permanent move. Would there be something that would move people back? Do gas prices, which are low right now, have a big influence on this? Or has the efficiency of SUVs, which has gone up quite a bit, compensated enough that that even in the event of high gas prices, people might not backslide? So there's a lot going on. It's an interesting dynamic to, to watch. Having said all that, to, to get to your question, uh, you know, I think the first hurdle that we face in luxury is being luxury, right? I mean, the first time somebody raises their hand and says, I want a Lexus, there's an, there's an image play there. There is there is some sort of a demarcation of a reward to themselves for having worked hard or a signal to the outside world that, that they've kind of made it on some level. So I think that's the first hurdle you have to clear whether someone's looking for a car or a, a utility vehicle. Okay. And past that, I think, comes more what you're thinking of, which are the specific, the specific needs. Am I more performance-oriented, utility-oriented? I think we can think of Lexus as having almost four faces these days. There's sort of the traditional Lexus. There is the eco-Lexus with all the hybrids in the lineup. There is certainly now a performance uh, Lexus, which you know, we have more and more performance stories to talk about. And then finally, we've got the utility Lexus. So I like to think now that, that the model lineup has really broadened. We've we've kind of got our bases covered better than ever um, in that regard. Um, but I, I think that, you know, when someone moves from a sedan to a utility vehicle, I don't think they're fully willing to give up the things they liked about the sedan. I think they're just plussing it by adding the utility piece.
0: And I think the, a lot of it has to do with the success of the NX. As you mentioned, this, this market is on fire. And I think it's, it seems to be just the sweet point between car and SUV. It just happens to just hit right there. And, and I think that that has a lot to do with the success. You can get best of both worlds.
1: So, so it's interesting. When, when we were, you know, a couple of years ago, when we were first, you know, looking at NX and thinking about how we were going to position it and so on, the, we became kind of fond of saying internally, you know, ES is to RX as IS is to NX. And it sort of has played out to be true. Both IS and NX do a lot of heavy lifting for us in terms of bringing new people to the brand. They both tend to appeal toward a slightly uh, younger demographic. They appeal to a slightly more, uh, let's say, kind of um, gregarious uh, psychographic. Hmm. Um, And and so they do actually share a lot in common.
0: You know, jumping from present product to future product, I'm I'm curious about the LC. The LC isn't a F-Sport. It's not an F-Product. How do you make sure that, the, it's obvious performance credentials uh, rub off on your other performance vehicles.
1: So, uh, a couple things about that. First of all, I think you know, even though we haven't labeled the uh, the LC five hundred uh, or LC five hundred H as an F or an F Sport product, of course, at least in the gas version, we've got the the F motor, and mm-hmm. so we have a we have a natural tie there uh, for that. I think it's also really uh, uh, more than coincidence that we're entering into motorsports you know, in a very formal way. Uh, around the world uh, at the same time as we're bringing, you know, LC to market. I think that gives us another, another opportunity to kind of reinforce that Lexus has the skills that were proven with the LFA are now going to be proven on the racetrack. And we definitely want it to be clear that the learnings from that are making their way down to production vehicles. I think when the consumer public, when you get to drive uh, the LC, You'll really understand the significance of having an all-new platform, and it's it's the first time in a while that we've introduced uh, you know all new product that actually has all new platform as well, mm-hmm. and what a difference! You know, it's it's uh, it's an astonishing kind of leap forward that you will perceive from the first drive.
0: I think that uh, you know you talk about uh, this platform, and it seems as though the the benefit of having the LC five hundred standalone, you know, not have reflect uh, your F Sport brand or or whatnot. I think it really shows the how purpose built it is. How mm-hmm. how it's obviously a performance car from its just from its very fiber, from its looks, and and, and from everything below it. And as enthusiasts, we put a lot of uh, emphasis on this the, the idea of F Sport or F product, whereas this is more. This is a halo for the entire brand.
1: Correct. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely it is. I mean, the brand. Yeah, uh, you know, I think one of the places that the brand really needed a little boost was in the kind of aspir- aspirational nature of the brand. So I think in the past year, bringing out GSF and RCF move us in that direction. But LC500 is really sort of the cherry on top. That 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 there really is a car at the kind of pinnacle. Of the Lexus lineup for people, you know, from a young age to kind of say, I really want one of those. That level of advocacy, we really, uh, we really need to continue building.
0: I absolutely agree. I think that it's a very important vehicle in the way that it reflects on the brand. And you mentioned the F Performance Racing, uh, the program, your your racing program. Uh, can you share any of your plans, you know, regarding marketing around that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm so excited that we're going into into racing in this country in a big way with the factory, you know, with the factory behind us. I'm very excited that we've that we've teamed with Paul Genolosi and and his uh and his uh, sons who who run F Performance Racing and of course we're thrilled to be uh, partnered again with Scott Pruitt, who's done a lot of work with Lexus over the years and now with Sage Karam, who's a new addition to uh, kind of the Lexus family, but we're uh, thrilled to have him. I just think that it is an opportunity, again, for us to speak with credibility, um, for us to be in a world where I think we should be, uh, given the products that we now uh, sell. So you're going to see us, of course, doing advertising in and around motorsports. That will be kind of the most visible thing from, a, let's say, a television perspective. Uh, but, of course, we'll also be uh, at the races, um, with a uh, uh, pretty significant uh, presence, and uh, right now we haven't decided exactly which uh, race we'll be going into first this year, but I guess it'll be around uh, mid-year, and uh, we'll have more to say on that uh, very soon.
0: Perfect. You know, we've been in contact, you and I, uh, since uh, 2009, uh, when I first started the site, and, and you've always been a big supporter of, of uh, Lexus Enthusiast and, and the online Lexus community. What do you think of the current landscape of Lexus for Lexus fans online?
1: Listen, I think that online is the easiest way for any consumer, any enthusiast to feel like they've got some attachment to the brand. I think it's the easiest way for them to uh, feel like they're participating in something. And I think that's so important, as you know, from our conversations. I think it is with the enthusiast audience that we do get advocacy. I think that this is the audience that's most likely to be asked by a friend, hey, what should I get? And your voices are the ones that are going to be heard the most loudly. And I think that the digital space really enables a connection from enthusiast to brand that simply didn't exist before.
0: And then the flip side of that, you know, social media has replaced a lot of the owner interaction. But there's, I believe there's still a need for uh, face-to-face time. Is there plans for more owner events uh, in the future?
1: So we uh, have a fairly robust uh, plan in the works for uh, ride and drives this year. I think personally, I totally agree with you. I I am am not an advocate at all for moving away from uh, one-to-one, face-to-face interaction, because especially in an era where we want people to understand that the Lexus that they once knew maybe has evolved pretty significantly, I think the only way you feel that is in person. With the F products out there, with a new RX out there that feels completely different than the old car, with the LC coming, which feels different than any other Lexus before it, except maybe LFA, it's absolutely critical that we give people a chance to experience us one-to-one, because that's where the storytelling is really going to come from.
0: We'll just wrap, we're going to wrap this up. And I've always been very curious about this. Um, you've been involved in numerous projects over the years. Uh, do any of them really stand out as your, in your memory uh, as milestones or benchmarks? Well, for
1: me personally, I, I get the most gratification out of of starting something new. So for me to have been involved with uh, the creation of Scion was extremely important, and also to come back to Lexus and be here during kind of, you know, this, this almost, like, almost like a rebirth of the Lexus brand right now with, with performance leading the way, uh, that's been great fun for me. You know, it's been great fun to come back and to help shape uh, the future of this brand is, has been uh, not just fun, but really an honor uh, for me. So I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed every minute of it.
0: And then the final question, uh, what Lexus do you drive personally?
1: Uh, so I have an IS250 F-Sport. And I would really like to get a 200T, but my company lease has another 10 months to go. <laughs> so, so I'll be, I think, uh, although I think I might make my next car an LC. So we'll, uh, we'll see how that I think goes. it would suit you. Yeah, I, 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 think, uh, I think I've, I've you know, been looking at that car and driving it you know on, on our test tracks for the last year or so. And I, I think it would be, uh, uh, I'd like to have one in my garage.
0: Well, Brian, thank you so much for agreeing for, to this interview. And uh, it's much appreciated.
1: No, Kevin, thanks for all that you do for the Lexus enthusiast uh, group of consumers because uh, without you kind of pulling it all together, uh, I don't I don't think we'd have such a, a focal point for the consumer uh, for the enthusiast uh, audience uh, to focus on Lexus, so I appreciate that. That's
0: much appreciated. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you.